Hey, welcome to the H&HR podcast. My name is Heather Taves. And I am Heidi Bolt. And we're sisters. We believe here at the H&H Hour that your ordinary is extraordinary. Thanks for listening. Hey, Heidi. Welcome back to podcast day. Podcast day. One of my favorites. Yep. We're knocking them out today. We are marathon podcasting. I actually like those days because we get to see lots of our friends, Mm -hmm. talk to some really cool people. Yep. And get lots of shows recorded all at once. Super productive and relational. So all good. All good. Okay, so a while back, Heather, we aired our sweet friend, Lauren Auer, and we talked about being a military family. Yes. So if you're a listener and you're a military family and you did not catch that episode, catch it. Yes. It was so good. Right. Go back and listen to it. And I think like just as a non-military civilian family, it was informative to me to know what the spouse and the family walks through. And even those that are deployed, what they walk through. So definitely check out that episode. We'll put it in the show notes, what number it was. Well, and sometimes we have guests on that have more than one topic that we want to cover. And you can cover more than one topic in a show, but we just really felt like these, both of these topics deserved their own show, their own space. And so we wanted to bring Lauren back on and talk with her. And this one is actually really personal to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm excited to just be able to share this side of our friend Lauren with all of our listeners. Yeah. So Lauren Auer, welcome back to the H&H Hour. Hi. Thanks for coming back. Yeah. Good to be back. Yeah. It's fun to have you back. So was, uh, did Charlie... Did he struggle with any, you know, like his head being puffed up with pride hearing all of the <laughs> shouts of Charlie's awesome? Maybe just maybe just a smidge. Okay. So we'll, we'll bring it back to reality. Yeah. I'll figure it out tonight, how to bring that back down. I love it. I love it. Okay. So Lauren, one thing that we, we actually used to ask all of our guests this question. Oh, mm-hmm. we're bringing them back. We're bringing them back. Good. At least for you. Okay. One thing, um, well, okay. First of all, I'm getting ahead of myself. If our listeners did not hear your first episode about who you are, fill us in a little bit on your your normal, like who are you, your spouse, your life. Yep. Uh, my name's Lauren Auer, as you said. Um, I have a th- almost three-year-old son, um, and I've been married to Charlie for, we just celebrated seven years, so, um, and I'm a therapist locally in town, and we're a military family, as you said. Very cool. How long have you been a therapist? Ooh, Five or six years, six years about. Yep. And that's what you went to school for, right? Uh, yep. For grad school. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Okay. So here at the H&H Hour, we really believe that our ordinary lives are very, very extraordinary when we see them mm-hmm. through that lens. So what's something about your life, Lauren, that's pretty ordinary? <laughs> It's funny because my work is doing an outing and they wanted everyone to send a fun fact. And I cannot think of a single fun fact about myself that wouldn't be obvious. So I feel really ordinary in that way. Charlie was trying to help me think of one last night and we were we were both stumped, which is <laughs> bad. But um, so yeah, I guess, I don't know. Most of my life I've just been pretty average. So... I don't it I get up, I go to work, I wipe my son's butt when he, you know, like it's <laughs> yeah. just I don't know, my life sometimes just seems pretty ordinary. I'm pretty sure every single listener can relate to that. No yeah. matter what <laughs> avenue of life they're yeah. on, they they're like, yeah. "Yep, 
Yep. I get I, it. And I feel like that's everyone's answer. Like, it's just, the, I'm just who I am. My I'm life just is just ordinary. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So on the flip side of that, what do you think about yourself is extraordinary? Yeah. So it's, it's funny too, because after we recorded that military podcast or people talk to me about all the things Charlie does in our life, I sometimes forget that we actually do have a pretty unique life to me it's just our life and it's always been our life but um you know he's a combat helicopter pilot and that's pretty cool you know and um I'm a director of a clinical program here at a big agency in town and um I'm the youngest director they've had so that's extraordinary I guess um but it to me it's just life it's just us but I guess looking from the outside it is outside of the norm yeah yeah very cool so I want to talk to you about your career yeah and about being a therapist I found it so intriguing because um I feel like therapists we have this persona of them that they have their lives all figured out Mm -hmm. that they have it all together because they know all the answers they all know they know all the self-help Things. I wish. No, yeah, yeah, I know. But I mean, I truly, you're like, oh, you're a therapist. You must have everything together. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, and I, I guess I can relate to that a little bit because sometimes I feel like that's projected onto me and Heidi as leaders in our church community. And as we are walking through things with people or, you know, teaching the Bible or anything like that, and people think, well, they just have it all figured out. Right. Yeah. And I know that that's not the case. Yeah. So I want to dive into that a little bit, but let's go back and let's. What led you to become a therapist? Was it something you always wanted to do? It's kind of funny because there was a piece of me that always wanted to do it. My grandfather was a therapist and a phenomenal therapist. Mm. Um, So from a young age, I thought that's what I wanted to do. Mm. But when it came time for college and I looked at how much schooling that was going to take and how much money, I said, "Eh, maybe not. So I actually went originally to school for radio broadcasting and – Look at you. You should be running you are this show. Extraordinary. Yeah, you guys get out of here. I'll take it from here. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> Look out, Charlie. You're not that gifted after all. Lauren's in the helm. I'm calling you next time we have tech- technical difficulties. Oh, gosh. Don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, so through that, though, I just wasn't, it never felt right. Um, and I still had this, I wanted to help people thing. So I actually switched my major to criminal justice because that's what my mom does and she loves her job and she still gets to help people and I don't need to go to school for as long. So that's actually, I graduated from Bradley with a double major in sociology and um, criminal justice. And through that, I did my internship at the juvenile detention center. So kids jail pretty much. Wow. Yeah. And that was really eye-opening because my whole time there, all I could see were these really broken kids from really broken situations and nobody was talking about it. Wow. They were only talking about the things they did wrong rather than why they're doing the things Mm. that they're doing. Wow. Yeah. So there was all these kids in there that had done a lot of terrible things, obviously, but they were so broken and nobody was talking about what they had experienced or what they had been through. And there was just such a lack there. And I felt like that was just another nudge pushing me back to maybe you just need to do this thing that you felt called to do pretty much your whole life. So that's when I made the switch and enrolled in grad school. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, 
Okay. So what, on a day-to-day basis as a therapist, you've got a lot of hard stories coming at you. Yeah. So for you as a therapist, how do you personally cope and decompress from the hard? Oh man. Well, I have a, a supervisor that I see who I see her once a month and we just pay her for an hour for me to just talk to her, vent her, whatever I need. So that's very helpful. Um, and that's really important. Also, I just have a really great team of coworkers that we can just bounce things off of each other. We meet once a week just for that reason. We have breakfast together. Um, so that's really helpful. I try really hard not to bring things home with me. Um, in terms of just self-care, um, you know, that's actually looked a couple different ways for me through the years. If you asked me this like a year ago, it would have been so different than really? it is now. Yeah, I think I'm an introverted person and I'm an independent person by nature. So I would have probably said, I just need my me time. I need to just be alone, decompress, watch some Netflix, drink some wine, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I've realized that there's a very fine line between like relaxing and spending time alone, loneliness, isolation, Mm -hmm. selfishness, and laziness, Mm -hmm. and actual, actual like stillness and processing Mm -hmm. and um, using the quiet for good. Mm -hmm. And I think I used it the negative way for a long time, that it wasn't helping. It was just creating loneliness and isolation in my life. What helped you recognize that? Being lonely, (laughs) I think. Yeah, I think it just came to a point where, you know, it didn't feel like I had the community around me that I wanted to have around me. And I was the only thing responsible for that. Mm -hmm. You know, if if I come home after a long day or a long week and all I do is want to be by myself, of course I don't have a community around me. Of course I don't. And it's – I wasn't really – intentionally taking those steps to find it yeah and it's crazy to me now still as an introvert and still as somebody who likes my independence I being around people fills me up so much Mm. you know there's still good times for the stillness and you know kind of resting and all of that that's all good too but I think it's very much a balance and a heart check of figuring out what it is you actually need and Mm. what what you're grabbing for you know. So what steps did you take personally to help switch the loneliness, the negative quiet time into more positive experiences? Um, I think adding some regular things in my life, um, you know, like reading my Bible and using the quiet time for good, um, using it for exercise, that kind of thing, but also being better about reaching out to the people in my life that I already had and following through with it is big. It's so easy to say, we should get together sometime or we should have coffee sometime, but then never actually doing it. I was super guilty of that for such a long time. So um, that's something I've been really trying to shift as well as getting involved in a church and, you know, being intentional about finding community. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about the stigma that therapy has? I think especially inside the church, mm-hmm. um, at least in my lifetime, if you hear that someone's going to a therapist or going to counseling, you automatically as- assume that there's something wrong with them, yeah. that they've either had this 
moral failure or, you know, their marriage is bad or something is terribly wrong. They can't deal. <laughs> and I, well, I think that it is a really terrible uh, stigma that has mm-hmm. been placed on therapy when actually therapy is biblical. Mm-hmm. And it, it has kept a lot of people from going and utilizing professional therapy and help because they think, well, I can't do that because then, you know, what will people think? What will people think? Or that that it hurts my pride. And I really, I really believe that every single person, whether you're in a really healthy spot or you're not in a healthy spot can benefit from therapy. So what do you have to say about that? Oh yeah. I, you know, I think for one thing, I do feel like the stigma is starting to change. I, I see that a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, the way that I look at it is we all have bodies and health. So we go to doctors and take care of our bodies and our health and we all have brains and minds. So why wouldn't we give that the same amount of energy as we do to our bodies? So good. You know, and it's something that there's something really powerful about, just speaking out loud what's going on, um, getting those things that are stuck inside of us out into the open to break down shame and, you know, fear and all of these things that we're plagued with. Once it's out there, it loses a ton of its power. Yes, it does. And having a safe spot for that. And especially, you know, there's so much great in having a support system and close people in your life or family members, friends that you can talk to about things. But to have somebody who's unbiased, who's outside of the situation, yeah. and who's trained in how to do it, yeah. that doesn't have an opinion that has anything to do with themselves, hmm. is huge. Yes. So so good. I, I've heard it multiple times with people that I've been in contact with where they say, well, I, just, I would never do that. I would never go to therapy. Mm-hmm. And I just look at them and I say, then you're missing out. Yeah. On a huge resource that God has given people these gifts to understand how to help, how mm-hmm. to help you process what you're going through, how to help you understand where your wounds are yeah. and how to overcome them and give you tools for that. And I think I'm glad to hear you say you feel like that is shifting. Mm-hmm. I think it needs to shift. And I, I think the world has shifted a lot faster than the church has shifted. You know, and I think as a as believers and followers of Jesus, we all need to be a hundred percent okay with ourselves, being able to say this is a good thing, this is a God thing, and then looking around at all the, the people around us and never throwing stones or criticizing if someone, you know, I've said for a long time, like I need therapy, hmm. and um, and I feel like I'm a pretty healthy person, yeah. but I still know that I would benefit from it. So I just actually have to go do it. Yeah. Oh, hello, Lauren. <laughs> appointment for some therapy. Set the appointment. Yeah. <laughs> Set the appointment. Yeah, and I can't even tell you how many times I'm in a therapy session with someone and they're just talking to me and I'm not saying a word and they're just like, oh, okay. Like just having that space to mm. talk about things, you know, I mean, it, or just validating some of their feelings or talking. It's so huge and you know, like what you said about it being biblical, I think, you know, my grad school that I went to was a a Christian grad school. So everything we did was infused with scripture Mm -hmm. and biblically based all of it. So I had that background, but 
you know, sometimes I think people that even I've ran into, they're just mindset is, well, I sh- I just just pray about it and then God mm. will take it away from me mm. and why isn't that working and and I think there's a place for that and mm-hmm. I think God does heal and I think there are miracles that happen mm-hmm. but I also think God gifts people with you know I hope what my skills are a gift because that's yeah. what I you know yeah. that's what I base everything off of and you know he gives doctors the skills that they have yes. and scientists that develop medications like those are all gifts from God and maybe yes. healing comes in that avenue. Yes, that's so absolutely. Nice. Well, and it this hit a really personal spot for me this past year. And this is where I think God is so kind. He's so good to us because you came into our church mm-hmm. and I met you and I'm not even sure I knew you were a therapist for a while. <laughs> um, but then my daughter went through something and I did not know that we even I, I didn't even know when you came into our church that my family would need a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been very far off of my radar to think I need to find a therapist for my daughter. And without mm-hmm. going into a lot of her story right now, because she's still walking through it, and you know I, we're not quite ready to share all of it right now um, on a public platform, but you reached out to me within, I mean, within moments of hearing some of her story, you were at my table one night and you said, I would love to meet with her and help her if there's anything that I can do at all. And I didn't even realize that it was something that I was going to need in my own family. Mm -hmm. And you just met with her. And from the, from the very first moment that you sat down with her and you, she loved it. I mean, she came bouncing out of your office. (laughs) So excited. And it was simple, but you helped her set some goals. You gave her a safe place to talk. That was some, you know, somebody other than mom. Um, and it just, I could see that it, um, helped her understand that she was able to walk through this difficult thing that she was experiencing, um, and not be hard on herself about it and have some goals in place. And she's still working towards some of those goals, but we've seen so much improvement and you've only met with her twice. Mm -hmm. But I think that just shows the value of being willing to, and I'll be honest at first, I had that thought of, I'm not sure if this is a good idea because this might make this into a bigger deal than it needs to be. Mm -hmm. Like it might pour gas on a fire. Mm -hmm. That was my first instinct. And then I just really felt the Holy Spirit say, no, this is a tool that I've given you, I've put right in your path, right in front of you. Ahead of time. And, you know, (laughs) three months ago, you didn't even know this person. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have even had known where to go looking for her. Mm -hmm. And now here she is right in front of you. And so saying yes to your offer to help, honestly, what I felt like is you stepping into the ring with me Mm -hmm. to fight for my daughter. Yeah. And going to to that first session and her coming out just glowing and coming home and telling her daddy and telling her brother you guys made some glitter jar (laughs) thing and she was so excited about it and just being able to see the value of what your gift um brought to our family i'll never forget it you know and it's such a good reminder for me when i'm working with other people to be like it is valuable yeah you know go Go talk to someone that mm-hmm. knows what they're doing. And you were able to give her such good tools. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for stepping into the ring and using your God-given gifts. Absolutely. Well, and her feedback to me the next day, she said, I met with 
I met with Miss Lauren. I said, I know, do you know that she's one of my good friends? And I said, do you know that I met with her last week to talk about some of my hard stuff? And she was like, are you serious? She's like, <laughs> did you get to make slime? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I said, we didn't make slime. Maybe next time. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it was just so good to open up the dialogue with her mm-hmm. to know that when she struggles, it's it's okay yeah. that she struggles. And the important thing is that she's got people around her to walk her through those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for, for Kip and myself, a couple years into marriage, we had a really hard place with some people in our life that we um, couldn't make the decision to just remove from our life. And so actually it was such a gift because we were in, we were newlyweds and we didn't have like a ton of extra cash flow and our insurance didn't cover any counseling or therapy. And we had someone come to us and say, we'd been able to share with them this hard thing. And they said, you know, we think you would benefit so much from some couples therapy to deal with this. And if you guys would commit to doing it, we will cover the financial cost. Yeah. And so they covered 12 sessions, which is, wow. Ex- it was expensive. Mm-hmm. And we met with this gentleman. It was my first experience in true therapy. Like I'd had some ministry contacts that had loved me well and sent me down and said, hey, this isn't your burden. L- let me help walk you through this kind of thing. But like true, you know, I was the client. He was listening to us. And it was such a positive experience for us like it shifted some really important things and to this day I know I can see the results of that man's wisdom Mm -hmm. spoken over myself and my husband and so for me that was the first shift in my thinking of like man therapy is really valuable and important and I'm so thankful that someone in my life had the foresight to say hey we know this is something that's needed we know you're in ministry making no money and finishing school we're going to pay the cost yeah. for you to go get this help. And it was so valuable. So I think what you do is so important and so valuable. And I just publicly want to say, like those of us that serve on the church stage might be seen as like, well, you're in leadership, but you're in leadership too mm-hmm. of loving people and giving people wisdom and advice that is life-changing. Yeah. So well done. Thank you. Yeah. So I know we, all of us are really involved with people often when they're in a broken state Mm -hmm. and um, it's just the nature of the paths that we all walk in. So, and a lot of times that looks like there has been some abuse Mm -hmm. in their lives. How do you coach people who might think that there are some people in their lives that are experiencing some abuse, whether it be physical abuse, emotional abuse, um, what are the signs of that? Like, how do we, because I think sometimes it's really easy to just glaze over Mm -hmm. and not notice what's in front of you Mm -hmm. um, when there's someone who's really hurting in front of you. So can you talk to us about that a little bit? Um, You're saying just as an outsider, how to come in and help them or how to know. How to recognize the need. Yeah. You know, it's, that's kind of a hard question because, you know, part of it is, you can look for big swings in behavior. Mm. You know, someone was sleeping, now they're not. Somebody was eating well, now they're not. Somebody's behaving well, now they're not. Grades dropping. You know, those things. But those could mean a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And and I work with, work with and have worked with so many clients that on the outside, you mm. would never know anything is wrong. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. it's hard 
to really nail down signs, but I think if there's a genuine concern about somebody, it's probably coming from somewhere that makes you have those feelings Mm -hmm. and figuring out, you know, just saying to them, you know, I'm here if you ever want to talk Mm -hmm. because they, it needs to be in their time, you know, especially in my job as a therapist and especially with kids a lot of times parents will say my kid needs therapy you know but if that kid doesn't want it I will never force them to Mm -hmm. I say give me about three sessions see if you like it Mm -hmm. I've never once had a kid after three sessions not want to do it so far I mean who knows you're (laughs) awesome and fun (laughs) and you make slime yeah (laughs) but I mean if if it's something somebody's not ready for Mm -hmm. they Hopefully, we'll at least have a good experience to where maybe in six months, a year, 10 years, 50 years, they are ready and they'll come back. Yeah. So. So I know, what's who's the oldest client? Not who, but what's the age <laughs> of the oldest client you've ever worked with? Oh, man. I think she was in her 90s. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And what's the youngest you've ever worked with? Nine months. Wow. So a huge range. Yeah. Yeah. All over the scale, probably, of hard things. Yep. Yeah. So you've walked through some hard stuff too. Yeah. Um, would you share with us kind of your experiences of seeing a therapist for you personally and what that's looked like? Sure. Yeah. Um, growing up, I did here and there a few times just with some stuff in my family. Um, and then when you're in grad school, you have to do therapy. Okay. Which was great. Um, and then my husband and I have done couples therapy on two occasions, I believe. Yeah, two occasions, um, just for some stuff we were walking through in our marriage. And as I mentioned on the military one, the podcast, I saw a therapist leading up to his return home because I had a lot of anxiety about that. Um, But the time in my life when I think it stands out the most to me was when I was walking through a season of postpartum depression. Mm. So that was a really big staple in my life at that point. Okay, so as a trained professional therapist, did you mm-hmm. recognize your own symptoms and take the steps to get help, or did someone out on the outside have to go, I think you need help with this postpartum depression? What did yeah. that look like? Yeah, it was interesting because, you know, they when you have a baby, you have to go to these doctor's appointments, and they hand you this Edinburgh scale of postpartum depression. It's 10 questions long, and it makes me crazy because... <laughs> It says things on it like, do you enjoy doing the same things you used to do? No, I have a newborn at home. (laughs) Like, I wish I could go, you know, bowling. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, you know, (laughs) are you having a hard time sleeping? Well, yeah, I have a newborn at home, you know. So some of the questions on it, I just, I don't think they're the best. And then, and then there were plenty, there's several questions on there too that I just didn't relate to. I didn't feel like harming my child. Right. I didn't feel like harming myself. Yeah. Um, I didn't, um, I don't know. There, like, I I'm a new mom. Of course I'm crying. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I would fill that thing out and I'd turn it in and they'd be like, good, you're good to go. And so there was a quite a while when I think I was suffering from it that I didn't realize hmm. because the medical community, in my experience, there may be great doctors and nurses out there that do a better job, but no one was really looking me in the eye and asking me, like, how are you handling everything? Yeah. Um, and I think my training, in a sense, as a therapist helped because 
I got to a point where I realized if I was sitting in my office at work talking to me, even though I didn't check off everything on that 10 question thing, I would say, you have depression, you're depressed. Yeah. And I knew that as a helper, but also there was the side of me that said, well, but then if I go to a therapist, they're going to do this and then they'll probably do that. They'll make me do mindfulness. I'll probably have to journal. Like I, it's like, <laughs> I could just do it myself because I already know exactly what they're going to say. Yeah. Um, but I think I had brought it up to my husband at some point and I just was like, I just don't, I'm just not enjoying this. Mm-hmm. I just, I feel like this should be different. I, I don't, feel myself and and he validated that yeah I think you've you've seemed pretty down and yeah um I'm a little worried about you and um that was kind of the kick in the butt I needed yeah so what were your symptoms like if there's a mama listening going hmm or a husband a spouse listening Mm -hmm. going huh yeah what were the things that were made would make us aware that you were struggling with that for me specifically I think a lot of my depression manifested in irritability and anger, mm-hmm. um, which I hadn't, I'm, I'm not a super angry, irritable person typically, Yeah. Um, but little things would like set me off um, and I would just be kind of on edge all the time and, um, you know, if the dog was barking at a squirrel I would just like scream at him Mm -hmm. like I remember punching a wall so hard that like my knuckles were like bruised like Mm -hmm. I was really and that it kind of scared me because that wasn't who I was typically um so that was a big thing and then a lot of just feeling like it wasn't ever gonna get better it wasn't I wasn't enjoying it it didn't feel like it was you know, some, you, you know, plan for the birth and get the nursery all set up, but you don't usually plan for all the after stuff. And I guess I just had put in my head that it would just be this dreamy, cuddly, like wonderful bonding time. And it just wasn't that for me. Yeah. Um, and that was hard and it's hard to admit out loud, you know, did you feel guilty that you were trained in therapy and yet you were struggling with postpartum depression? Like you could, you should have been able to overcome it? Yes and no. I think there was a little bit of that, but once I had kind of said it out loud and accepted it, it was like all of that got taken away. Yeah. Like the shame of it was gone at that point because it was out in the open. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I'm a human and you know it's really 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 common Mm. like 70 to 80 percent of women deal with what they call baby blues which is almost everyone gets those it's just Mm -hmm. a period of time where you're down um it's a hormone crazy dump and you know it's a hard time but about one in seven women deal with postpartum depression but that's what's been like diagnosed Mm -hmm. and I think most people are like me where they I never got a diagnosis I never checked off that scale at the doctor's office for them to say yep you have postpartum depression so a lot of people think that the stats are about double Mm -hmm. what they are and on top of that about one in ten men deal with postpartum Mm -hmm. depression which Mm -hmm. I think is an important thing to keep in mind too that it's not just women that deal with it it's also men so it's just really common it's 
Yeah. Chris and I have often said, because we do a lot of, well, some premarital counseling Mm -hmm. with young couples, but we've often said there needs to be pre and post baby counseling for couples. Because really, I mean, entering into marriage is a huge step. It's a huge thing, but it's super difficult to add a child into a marriage Mm-hmm. For and then still maintain a healthy marriage, but then you've got the hormones and you've got, I mean, there's so many things that shift in that season. Yeah. And it should almost be a requirement. Yeah. Just like premarital counseling is mm-hmm. um, before you get married. I think, I think that would be really valuable. So I do want to ask you this. You mentioned that you and Charlie had gone to some couples mm-hmm. counseling or therapy. Was it because there was this huge glaring issue? Or was it just you recognized that there was something that you needed help walking through before it became the huge issue? Um, there we've we've walked through some pretty big, hard things that needed to be worked through in therapy, um, and I think so that that was a big thing. But then you add in the stresses of just kind of what our life looks like on a regular basis with him being gone a lot and in the yeah. military. Um, well, two very high stress jobs. Yeah. yeah. High pressure. Yeah. yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Um, you know, and coming off of our first year of marriage, I mean, we were walking through some really difficult things and we had also just moved across the country mm-hmm, and we yeah. both didn't have jobs. I mean, it was just, it was it's a, a really difficult time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would like to see couples because we sit down with a lot of couples that are in crisis mode mm-hmm. before they even ask for help, before they ever get to the point of saying, okay, we actually do need to talk some- to someone. Yeah. And like the fire is blazing. <laughs> yeah. And I guess my point is this, like let's start to have conversations with people that can help you Yeah. when it's just a tiny little... Before it's desperate. Yeah, before it's a forest fire. Mm -hmm. You know, when there's just a little spark, you're like, man, and that's okay. Like, Mm -hmm. let's ask for help before it gets to this burning down point. I think our marriages would look totally different. I think the divorce rate would be totally different if we were willing to say, we're going to do this therapy and we're going to have conversations as a way to keep our marriage healthy, Mm -hmm. as a way to communicate with one another... um, with an outside perspective, speaking in and saying, hey, let's look at it from this way, you know, Mm -hmm. this perspective. I just, I think we would see marriages be a lot stronger if we had that perspective. So if there's someone listening going, yep, we're there, whether it's uh, couples therapy or individual, but yet they don't have a Lauren who's their (laughs) friend or sitting on their couch, how do they start to find help no matter where they're at in whatever part of the country or the world, how do they start to seek out help in their area? Um, a really good resource. It's just psychologytoday.com and you can specify what your insurance is. If you're, if you want a male or a female therapist, if you have preferences on anything, specialties, Mm. age, whatever. Um, so that's a really good place to start. Also, I think if people have the luxury of asking around to who's good and where there's been good experiences, that's really important and then also just you know I think for one it it can be pricey in some situations Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be there's a lot of options out there I think when I was going most recently before Charlie returned I was paying like with my insurance 
I think like 15 or $20 a session. It, oh, wow. It wasn't bad. And when you think of like 15 or $20 for your mental health, yeah. yes. like you, everything you do every day is affected by that. You can't yes. even get a pedicure for that. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like you would pay that, you know, for a medication you need to take. Right. Why not? You know, it's yeah. just so valuable. So yeah. there's that. Um, there's a lot of free services available too. Mm-hmm. You just have to find them in your area but also just you know like your example with your daughter she came bouncing out of there I don't think she was bouncing in there you know a lot of times we build up what we think it's going to be it's going to be so scary and I'm gonna have to talk about all of these things but it's really kind of refreshing it feels Mm. like letting like air out of a balloon Mm. the stuff that you're holding into I mean it can be so good and I think Sometimes you just have to let yourself experience it to realize this can be okay. Yeah. But also being okay with not everybody that you meet with is going to be the right fit. Yeah. Just like a doctor or a pediatrician. Like you right. don't just pick one off a website and go. It's okay to not have a right fit. And as a therapist, I totally understand if somebody comes into my office and there's something that they're just not vibing with. Yeah. yeah. Like it happens all the time yeah. to every therapist. Yeah. So – there's like a no, church. Yeah. Yeah. There's no fear in, you know, offending somebody or anything like that. It's, you just have to find what's right for you. Yeah. What yeah. fits for you. That's so good. And you're right. She wasn't, she was nervous. Yeah. She was like, what, what am I going to say to her? And then, but I think what you did was you created a space where she could like take a deep breath and just <sighs> disarm and then leave, yeah. leave all of that there. And, and that's really what it did. Yeah. It helped her put words to kind of this big scary thing and and then just leave it there. Yeah. You know, and so I, I highly, highly recommend mm. anyone. It doesn't matter if you're in a crisis, if you're going through a, maybe a stressful season of your life, if you are, maybe you're in a good place, but you just don't have a sounding board yeah. Yeah. that is outside of your circle. And I think that's so important because I know for me sometimes I've, I've vented or I've let things out to my inner circle. And then it's almost made me feel worse because then I'm like, well, what now, what are they thinking about me? Or Mm -hmm. how are they going to, are they going to view me differently? Or are Are they going to tell everyone else? Yeah. And so (laughs) it really, it like, I, I would just say, if you're in that, in, if you're that person that's saying, I feel like this would benefit me, go do it. Yeah. Go to that website that Lauren mentioned, we'll link it Mm -hmm. on our show notes and go find someone that you can sit down with and, and I'm going to do it too. Yeah. I'm going to do it. Yeah, don't let the fear keep you away. You know, it's like if your child if your child needs to eat, you're not going to prevent the fact that you dislike going to grocery stores to prevent you from buying the food they need. Like don't right. let the fear come in front of what you need in order to be healthy. So, right. I think that's so important. And I think too as we wrap up, like uh mental health is such a huge huge conversation in our society right now. And actually I'm really glad it's being talked about. I'm mm-hmm. glad that there is an awareness building. Um, even just in society, we've walked through some really tragic losses recently in the Christian world, in, in the world of sports and pretty much in any circle you look at, you can look at something and go, wow, like that was a huge loss because of mental illness. And so I just think for all of us to be aware, you know, of the people around us Mm -hmm. and to get our faces out of our phone Mm -hmm. and look at our people, yeah, like look in each other's eyes and Ask questions that might feel awkward. 
Like I was, I was getting ready to go to dinner with a couple girlfriends a few weeks, uh, actually a couple months ago. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, ask them how their marriage is. Hmm. And like individually, you know, they each have a marriage. And I thought, oh yeah, I, I mean, I don't really want to feel like I'm in leader mode, like we're girlfriends. And so I finally, you know, through the course of the meal, I'm like, how, how's marriage? And, you know, we were all able to open up and talk about in real life, like really how is marriage? You know, mm-hmm. what are the struggles? And it was a really positive thing and it opened up a really healthy dialogue. And so I think just being willing, even if you're not a trained professional mm-hmm. in therapy, like ask your people how they're doing yeah, and then listen, right? Listen. It would have made such a difference to me if somewhere in those first couple months of having my son, somebody looked me in the eye and asked me how I was really, yeah. really doing, Yeah, you know, or, you, you know, a lot of people ask about how's the baby sleeping or oh so cute you know all of these things we want to talk about mm-hmm. but the easy stuff yeah it's so important to just really and be prepared when you ask that question mm-hmm. that it's sometimes it's not going to be sunshine and rainbows or sometimes yep. somebody's going to tell you fine mm-hmm. and you're maybe not going to believe that that's the truth that's and right. how do you gently move towards that in a way that's you know okay yeah. Well, I'm always here because it was hard for me or, you know, whatever yeah. that response needs to be. But, you know, we live in a world where there's going to be trials for yeah. everybody and yeah. we are humans that are imperfect and sinners. Like we're all going to go through something. Yes. Yeah. Multiple things. Yeah. Every single one of us. Yeah. So I think it's just a great tool that should be normalized. And yeah. Yeah. When, when we voice to our people how we really are, I remember when my daughter was born walking through horrible, horrible anxiety afterwards. Mm -hmm. And finally, like hitting a massive meltdown, sitting in my laundry room with the door closed, they were all napping for a moment and bawling my eyes out and calling my mom and saying, I'm not okay. Yeah. Like I am not okay. And she was at my door about 10 minutes later, Mm -hmm. you know, and literally just picked me up and said, you go to bed and I'll be on kid duty. Mm -hmm. And I think I slept for like the the next eight hours straight, you know, just being the hands and the feet of Jesus, Mm -hmm. you know, like we don't have to be trained in therapy to get to love people well and to recognize their needs. Um, And I'll actually never forget that moment, my mom doing that for me, because I was so desperate and so weary and feeling like I was failing in Mm -hmm. being a mom of three now and a newborn. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of shame associated with that when you're not feeling great. And I think for all of us to go, you know, it's okay to not be okay right right now and to admit to people like, I'm not okay right now. Yeah. You know, I will be, I will be okay, but I'm not right now. So yeah, that's a huge step that you took being able to reach out and say that to her, you know, that it's a vulnerable place to be in. And I think a lot of times we're afraid, oh, I don't want to burden them or they're really busy or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But do you think your mom was burdened or like, oh, I'm so busy. I don't, you know, like no. people yeah. love, Yeah, I love it when one of my friends says, hey, can we meet and talk? I yeah. love it because that's such a huge thing for them. Yeah, I'm not burdened by it and, yeah. and other people aren't either. Hmm. So. And it, I think a lot of us, I can't speak for men because I'm not a man, but <laughs> I think women especially have this like, well, I can do it. Yeah. I can carry all of this. And I, I know I do. I mean, I and I specifically remember a time probably about five years ago sitting in – it's funny how you can remember these things really clearly yeah. sitting yes. in my children's dental office and texting my husband and saying, 
I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. And his response, and you know, it's not his fault at all, but his response was kind of that like, oh, you know, pray, you're strong, you know, kind of, and okay. I, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, he was at work and it was, you know, not a good time to text him anyway. The wrong but, time to unload. But I remember saying like, you have to be okay with me not being okay. Mm. And that started a really good conversation about me recognizing before I was on fire yeah. um, the signs sooner so that I could get help or process what I was feeling. It, it was a really defining moment for me yeah. to say like, okay, I'm admitting I'm not okay and you need to be okay with that too. Yeah. So I think it's an important conversation to have with your inner circle, with the people around you that yeah. are used to you being strong, are used to you being able to carry a lot, yeah. and then being able to go, but sometimes I'm not okay too. And we're all not okay a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah. You know, and yeah. If, yeah. I think if somebody presents to me like they're all okay and great all the time, that's that's a red flag for yeah. me and yep. I again it's like normalizing that yeah. it, it is hard yeah it's just hard yeah. so yeah. many things in life are and but I think yeah. as friends it's so important if if your inner circle if your friend does open up to you like be a confident like be let them be real with you and know that it's a safe place yeah like confidant. Yeah. confidant thank you I was like struggling there what, what is this word yeah <laughs> why is this eluding me um you, you know and don't blow it up. You know, don't, don't tell your mom about it. Yeah. You know, you don't, not everyone has to tell everybody everything they've ever heard. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we've sort of lost in society of like, Hey, some things really are just between us, you know, and not everything needs to be put out there on social media or talked about or whatever. And so I think that like that is being a good friend is your friends knowing like, and I know in you, Lauren, I know I could share, I've shared hard stuff with you. I know I could share hard stuff. Yeah. And it not get brought up at the next girl's night. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, girl, how's that going? You know, <laughs> be like, wait a minute, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think just be a good friend when someone's sharing with you what they're walking through. Yeah. So be wise about what you say back. And a lot of so. times people just want someone to listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we don't have to know the right advice or what mm. to say or what to do. A lot of times people just, a lot of times people don't want advice. They don't want to be told what to do. Yeah. They really just want somebody that'll listen and hear them yeah Yeah. to be heard yeah yeah sometimes my husband will say do you want me to help fix this or do you need me to listen and a lot of times the answer is I just need you to listen yeah you know and he's like okay Mm -hmm. and that didn't really come early in marriage you know I think our men are wired to fix things for us yes which is a great thing yeah um but that's been super helpful in our marriage Mm -hmm. like just listen right now yeah and he's a good listener so it works out well yeah (laughs) yeah so well, Lauren, thank you for sharing all of this with us. I'm, I'm confident that if people are honest with themselves, this has hit everybody's heart in a little bit of a different way and maybe exposed a need in their own life or given them permission to not be okay mm-hmm. um, and just to seek out help when it's needed. So it's not a sign of failure or right. weakness. I actually think it's really a lot of strength. I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. When you can admit that you maybe want advice or input or help. Yeah, it's... So. You have to be really strong to let yourself be vulnerable. Yeah. You know, it's not a sign of weakness. You have to have a lot of strength to let yourself cry in front of someone or open up in front Mm -hmm. of someone. It's such the opposite of being weak. Yeah. 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 That's Mm. good. Someone needs to hear that. Yeah. That very thing. So So good. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find us on Instagram at the H&H Hour or connect with us 
on email at the hour at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you. We do. It's one of our favorite things yep. about this podcast. Yeah. So let us know um, just what's going on in your life. And if you've seen a therapist and how it's helped you, or if you're it. struggling with it, you know, we'd love to just give you that thumbs up and say, go for it, yep. you know, do it. Um, check out our show notes for some of the resources that Lauren mentioned. We'll yeah. put those up there. And thanks so much for listening. We'll chat with you next time. 